Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid, just walk with your Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is April 7th, 2015, and I am really happy to be doing a show and have you guys listening and be with me here today. Uh, Hi there, Jason. I see you there in the queue. Good to see you. Keep on making those videos. Uh, I wanted to talk about, well, I thought we'd start with what's going on in the film festival world, just to give a little shout-out and promote about that. So we are going to be in Chicago this coming weekend, and on April 12th, Sunday at 2 o'clock, the film will be showing. And if you go to the Facebook page, if you go to my Facebook page, Monica Richardson or the 13th Step, the film, we're posting everything there. And then we're going to be at the Beverly Hills Film Festival at the end of April, and we don't have the dates yet for what day it's going to play or times and how to get tickets, but we do have some great bloggers out there that are helping me post these things as events. So you can say that you're going on Facebook, and we can get a count, and then, of course, you can uh, go and, um, and see the film. Chicago, it will be the first time that this cut has ever been seen anywhere. Uh, we showed it privately last summer, at the Landmark Theater, and this will, so anyway, it's very exciting. Um, they have a, about, it's a small place, so it's, they hold about 80 people, but you do have to reserve a space, and it is free. So there'll be a few of us in Chicago, and I hope that if we're in the Chicago area, please come, I'd love to meet you. And uh, then we're going to Cannes, and Cannes is in May, so the film will be shown in the... Um, uh, for the director's fortnight and in the documentary corner, and then there will be an additional screening that will happen also at Cannes. And uh, and I think it's Cannes. I just asked, a, I met with somebody, and he was like, yeah, it's Cannes. It's not Cannes, it's Cannes. <laughs> so there you go. Cannes, and um, hi, there's Jonathan. How you doing there? Um, I wanted to talk about rehab, exposing rehabs. And what goes on in rehabs, and I'm going to take calls through the whole show, all right? 818-47, no, wait, let's see. Um, yeah, it's 818-475-9211. I'll slow down and say that again. 
818-475-9211. So, one of the things that I found really shocking was through the whole Carla Brada murder trial, I learned a lot. And then if you, if you don't know about the Carla Brada murder, it's Carla with a K, that you could go on to CBS, so Google CBS 48 Hours, and then in quotes put the sober truth, and you can watch the episode. What I found really shocking when I interviewed Carla's parents, Yaro and Hector, who two lovely people, very dear to my heart now, and they are highlighted in my film as well, is that when we looked at Carla's records, Anthem Blue Cross had paid for her stay there, and it's in a house, and uh, there were some four beds, you know, mattresses on the floor. I didn't see them, but Carla's mom, Yaro, did, and she went in and she was kind of shocked. And we know that there was no real treatment going on there. Like, there was no PhDs. Like, if you go to alternatives in Beverly Hills with Dr. You know Jaffe and Dr. Kern, who created this outpatient program, you're going to have people who've gone to school for years uh, and have become PhDs, and uh, they are going to be there treating you, as well as someone who's going to do neurobiofeedback and someone else is going to teach you mindfulness. Or, but the, the people you're going to be talking to, are going to be doctors, as in doctorates, okay? And if you go to Jeff Foote's place in Center for Motivation Change up in the Berkshires, you're going to have doctors. If you go to down to Tom Horvath's Practical Recovery, you're going to have people who are trained. And I would love eventually to get all these names of these places that are truly non-12-step, truly getting some science and kindness into the picture, um, and then I'm, sh- you know, places that where they'll give you naltrexone or they'll, you know, talk about harm reduction and everything is not black and white. Uh, that it's just shocking. It was so shocking to me to find out what was getting paid for nothing, and that ha- and the name of this place was Action Family, out in Santa Clarita. And if you look them up on the web, you know, you can see that they have quite a few places and that nothing really happened. But when you watch The Sober Truth that's on CBS 48 Hours, they show that she was taken in the druggy buggy, which we are calling it the druggy buggy, down to a place where it was Eden Ministries, where these guys, and not all of them came straight from jail or prison, but that you know the fact that they were even driving these young women over to these meetings in these trailer parks, uh, I wonder if Anthem, and I know that they know about it now because we've written some letters. People have written letters, but I just think it's outrageous. I I know somebody who went to Kaiser, and what happened to him when he went to Kaiser. Um, I know what happened to some of the pilots and the doctors when they were coerced to go, whether it was a form of Hazleton or the ridiculous rehab that's in Florida that I think Jonathan went to. Um, let's see. Um, let me see. Okay, I just wanted to see if somebody wants. So um, anyone want to call in, go ahead and call in right now and talk to me about whether you got science and you were treated with real mental health help or were you given AA, and were you told to go to AA? And do the people who the people who told you to go to AA meetings 
Were they really aware of what goes on there? Were they two hatters, two hatters? Somebody asked me that on Facebook. Two hatters are people that are in AA, and then they go get a degree, or they don't get a degree. They get like you know the little certificate. Hey, listen, I worked at a rehab when I was like, I don't know how old was I, like 24, and I was six years sober, and all I did was take a group facilitation class. But they liked me because I had six years. I hated the job. I mean, it was like I just freaking hated it. I I think I changed the whole curriculum and I started, you know, teaching the women exercise classes and I took them out swimming because nobody was doing any exercising. They were just sitting around in these groups and eating. And boy, let me tell you, back then it was really crappy food that they were all eating. Uh, All right, so let's see. Let's. We have a group of people in the chat room, and I think we have someone. I'm going to just take this call. I think it's Jason calling. Hello. Let me see. Um, there you go. Hello. Hi, Monica. Hey, Jason. Hi, Monica. It's Jason. Yeah. yeah can you hear doing? me all right? I can. I'm yeah. doing good. Good. Um, yeah, you were talking about how they have PhDs, and when I, you know, these Beverly Hills uh, rehabs that are, you know, science and kindness-based, Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when I went through Kaiser, my therapist was a, a P, had a PhD, mm-hmm. but she referred me to AA as like that's the only thing that could help you. And there was other two hatters working there, and they did a total like indoctrination of me into meetings before I ever even latched on to AA. And I really feel like they support. Because I was getting therapy there, mm-hmm. that's the only thing that kept me from going overboard because it wasn't AA. And when I lost that support system, I, you know, I, I, AA wasn't doing it. But the other thing was AA was holding me back. Any progressive progress I was making in therapy mm-hmm. was like being negated by what I was learning in. The things I was, you know, when you go hearing in an AA meeting. So, so what you're saying, Jason, is that you're the woman who was she had a PhD, and now, do you think that she was unaware of really what goes on in AA when she was referring you? Because I know there are actually a lot of people, lawyers, and even my old therapist didn't know anything about AA. So, do you think she was kind of naive? Was there a possibility? It's a possibility. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really like hold like a resentment, but it's like I kind of do in a way though against just the whole thing, the whole referral because there's a lot of two hatters that were like more influential, and she just kind of like was the icing on the cake that mm-hmm. like tipped me past the one to say, uh, you know, because I I'm the one who made a decision that I wanted to be sober. And it just right. so happened, I believe, by that point, I had to have AA to do that. And mm-hmm. I got serious about going to AA. It had nothing to do with AA. If anything, it just held me back in my growth, my mm-hmm. progress that I would have made as a human being in life. Mm-hmm. Because I'm stuck in this, you know, this meeting, and it's just, it goes nowhere. Let me ask you this, Jason, uh, just for, you know, listeners, we can have this conversation. Uh, I know you, you know, a lot better than... Uh, because we've met and you came for the screening and we've talked a lot in Skype. But were, when you were introduced to AA, were you an atheist or did you have a faith in religion and you kind of bought into it because you were, or were you an atheist? Where were you at with that? Um, I consider myself non-religious, but I did believe in a God. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I didn't consider myself part of any religion. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, I did get involved with religion before I uh, started drinking again, and I went back to AA the second time. Mm-hmm. And the sponsor I had, when we were working the steps, and I had certain I had certain beliefs at this point, and then when I was working the steps with him and we were talking about God and all this, it was like black and white for him, and it had to be his, his way was the right way because it's the way the old-timers did it. They went through the book. They didn't use the right. 12 by 12, right. that kind of thing. And he was how real, old, like... He, how uh, old were you then, Jason, when that was going on? How old were you? Uh, about 29, I think. Mhm, mhm. Um, you know, you know, you said that it affected how you, you know, developed as a human being or a young person. Can you give us an example of how it affected it, you adversely? Yeah. Um, there is, like, you know, I was at this uh, social gathering, gathering, and it was my birthday, and someone offered mm-hmm. me a glass of wine, and I hadn't even been to AA in. You know, I don't know how long, maybe a year. Uh, but I still held the belief that I had the disease. And I, this was before I went out. And I think this is kind of what caused me to go out, was I rejected that glass of wine, and I kind of threw a little fit in the process. Right. And then it just changed the course of events in ways that A, stole something, the beliefs I had because of them stole something from my life, because, uh, does that make sense? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're really young and you're still developing your sense of yourself, I mean, I feel like, I mean, you know, if we can talk about my own experience, I wanted to quit and I actually didn't want to drink anything, you know, for a very long time. But in looking back, um, I missed a lot of normal um, experiences, I mean, I, that you would miss if you were in a cult, like if I was in a Mormon cult right. or in, you know, that you would miss that way and... I just think that one of the, I mean, I would like to eventually have somebody on who, um, I mean, all of this matters. Like, I think Jonathan could probably call in if he wanted to. I think, uh, who else is out here? Tom. You know, anybody, and and yourself included. Like, you know, so we're talking about, I mean, you went to Kaiser. But I think what someone else wrote in the uh, chat room was that Anthem Blue Cross had paid for them too. Now, I know that somebody else, um, has already contacted Anthem Blue Cross. But what I do think would make a difference is that there's a lot of stuff we can actually do. And things, people could really, everyone who's listening who had this happen could write the letter, like you could write a letter right now to Kaiser and, and you know, send it to, you know, your local Kaiser, find out who the, you know, person who's the director, and then you could CC it to the head Kaiser and say, I have a real problem with the way I was treated and these are the, you know, and you're actually really bright. I think you could write a really good, you know, um, uh, letter of complaint and why you were sent there. And then we all send it to your uh, attorney general's office, right? Everybody sends a letter yeah. to, at the Blue Cross, and you file a complaint and say, "This is a religion. I got nothing. I got no mental health help. And in fact, I had people shoving religion and a, from a book from 1935. Like, just are you aware? I'm not going to sue you." But I yeah, want and you to know. Yeah, telling me to go off my med. Yeah, and telling you to get wow. They got and my tell mom me, involved. They, tell us how they told you to get off your meds, and how did they get your mom involved? Yeah, my mom was uh, sucked in by 
the you know the there's a whole Al-Anon, the friends and family they called it. Oh yeah. She didn't go in. She didn't go into Al-Anon, but there was two hatters that were uh, she was in therapy with that were pushing her to I know and gave her ideas that were of that, that persuasion. And like I miss met weddings of family, or I even miss a funeral because my mom believed what they had taught her that I couldn't even be around it because I would drink and wow. it's really upsetting. And people on my family in my family don't. I, I'm family member that died. I don't think they quite understand uh, that how that why I wasn't there. You know. Wow, that's really, really sad. Uh, now, um, do you feel like in making your videos and you're in my film that you, you know, speaking out like this is helping how you feel about the past? Yes, it's uh, it's just my it's my way of expressing my experience that I had, and and I know that other people relate. It's just kind of a journey for me. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like I I needed my own form because I wanted to say things about recovery or treatment or what you know things related to that subject. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't say it in AA because you have to say it their way. And yeah, it's really true. Have, I mean, there were, did you listen to the NPR thing with Gabrielle Glaser? She was just on the Brian Lehrer show. Yes. Right. John, uh, did you hear wait, those people calling in? Oh my God! That one woman, and she goes, "Oh, um, the coffee pot could be your, could be God, could be your higher power." I'm like, "Get the front door out of here!" Like, uh-huh. no, it can't. Yeah, like a a coffee pot, and there's so she goes, "Well, I'm getting so upset because it's like my religion," and I'm like, "Okay, see, right there, you know." I mean, they, they right. just. But I told you know I think that all of us need to. We're all on the West Coast, but I was like you know you call me and the next time you're doing the radio, I don't care what time it is. Jason and I will we'll set our alarms. You know we'll all those of us who are night owls anyway will flip the switch and get up at four and call in because they you know they're just such like they're calling. Oh, I have 37 years. It's like I don't care. Who gives a shit? You're probably you know it's like why is it like a badge? Well, we all know what it is. It's just ego, it, because that pecking order in AA is when you have time that you get to talk in a certain way and, you know, you know better and all this bullshit. I've been there and done it, you know what I mean? I just, um, it's uh, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting little uh, little religion they have going for them, but it, it, things have to come out, and I look forward to the film coming up closer to you, Jason, and um, hopefully we'll get into Sacramento or you know, into San Francisco. I think it would be really nice to be in Sacramento, you know, for the festival. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I would too. Well, I'm still trying. I haven't gotten into there, but at least I'm going to Cannes and I'm going to Beverly Hills and I'm going to Chicago. So I want to thank you. I'm going to put you back on hold and I'm going to see if we can get someone else to call in. Thanks, Jason, for calling in. All right, thank you. Okay, talk to you later. Okay, bye. All right, anyone else want to call in with your experience with uh, being sent to a rehab and found out that it was just filled with AA zealots and 12-step and you know, Blue Cross or somebody paid for it? Um, and it's really okay if you didn't have an insurance, pay for it, and you wound up forking out the 40 grand or the 25 grand or whatever it was to 818-475-9211. Again, it's 818-475-9211. 
yeah, so we have a few people in the queue. Um, one of the things I was just bringing up, I thought, you know, um, what are some of the ways that we can uh, – I better keep an eye on if somebody does call in. Uh, oh, I want to ask, please, if you're out there, if you haven't done this, please like the 13-step Facebook page. Please, on Twitter, I'm 13-stepping at the 13-step the film. Uh, I cannot get into my Monica Richardson account. I don't know what happened with that. So just mostly focus on the film if you want to just like it. And please, if you have a page that you uh, want me to see, feel free to uh, you know tell me about it. And uh, if you want to share, I have made the video, the four-minute new trailer, public again as of a few minutes ago. So please take a look at it and share any, anything you want. Now, there's somebody in the queue, so I'm going to take that. And then when we come back after we, I talk to who's ever there, we're going to talk about how it, you can get um, licensing and certification to have a facility. All right? I want to, I was going to take a look at how easy this is. Um, I know these steppers, AA members, made this so that they could just, you know, create whatever they wanted. And uh, it's, I think it's, anyway, interesting. So here we go. Let's see who's there. Hi, caller. You're live. May I have your name, please? Hi, Monica. It's Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. I knew you'd call. I said, it must be Jonathan. Yeah, it's been a while, yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, good. how are good. you? Yeah, I'm young. Mm-hmm. Well, better, good. you know. I had that, uh, that uh, you know, uh, AA-induced depression. and So, but I, you know... I'm moving on with a different uh, career and trying to trying to just make peace of it all, you know. Mm-hmm. So how are you? Congratulations, I'm good. by the way. Uh, yeah, thank you. I'm just really excited. I am really excited okay. to finally be going. Um, it's a small festival, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I've seen when yeah. I was first went to Sundance in 1993. I think I saw the Eileen Warnoff's wow. movie. In it, which became Monster, you know, with Shirley Theron. Yeah. It, that movie was, I think, I was in a, a like a high school cafeteria, not even a cafeteria, like a little, you know, hall auditorium, and there were like twelve people in the room, and that film became mm-hmm. what it did. But you know, it's, this is important because they're created. They're, I mean, they're connected with um, Injustice for All, and um, yeah. I mean, with the, the judicial yeah. system, right? Anyway, and um, what I'm going to in uh, over in Palm Beach, I'm I'm going to be there for that. So uh, in November, yeah, that'll I be good. Wait, so, right, so. <laughs> yes, re- reminding yeah. me. Thank you for reminding me. So that's the Real Recovery yeah. Film Festival. We got into that, which I forgot to mention. Yeah. But the uh, next one, the, the most great. one, it's kind of exciting. It's a, the Beverly Hills Film Festival that happens at the end of the month. So people who are here that are very involved in all of that will see my film or will have the opportunity to see it and then local people can see it because I'm from here. So I think that that's exciting. Yeah. And then, of course, Cannes is really exciting. But I'd like you well, to Well, tell... you know... Go ahead. I'm sorry. we got to fight fire with fire because, I mean, these people are deleting stuff, you know, that doesn't agree with their worldview and their uh, 12-step uh, spirituality. They're banning people. They're deleting comments and uh, all kinds of manner of suppression of information. So really thankful that you're putting forth, a, you know, a film to... to to fight that. So, anyway, sorry I interrupted, but you were going to mm. ask me a question, maybe. Yeah, I was going to, um, I just was reading, I hope that Tom calls in after we hang up, when you and I hang up, because he's writing, he's got some stuff there. Did you just tell people, uh, you know, what your experience was, because I know it personally, and I know you've called them before, but just, can you just tell people briefly, like, what is your experience with getting real help, or not getting real help, as it would be? Uh, it's been non-existent. 
basically the 12, I mean, the rehab industry is all pushing this religion in some form or another. And I mean, you've seen my, I mean, I could go on and on and on about the various details uh, of all of it, but I've been to, you know, <laughs> three of them. I'm not particularly proud of that. Of course, one I got kicked out of, but the uh, second time I was honest, which was a mistake, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that, that bought me another, uh, 28 days of incarceration uh, when I should have been looking for a job. And, um, you know, basically just, uh, you know, you're not, uh, you know, you're not living in, um, you know, God's will for your life, which is really AA's will. I tried to point that out. I said, you know, you, you people aren't doing God's will, in my opinion. You're doing, you know, Bill Wilson's will and the treatment rehab industry's will, which is... Um, you know, something I can't really uh, digest, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. keep down. It's just kind of nauseating, really. And uh, they don't want to hear that. You know, you've got to say, oh, it's great, it saved me, and then you can get your job back and everything's something dory as long as you, you know, perpetuate this myth that this is actually effective. And, and for a great many people, it's not. It's actually very mm-hmm. damaging. So mm-hmm. pushing people to suicide and depression and, and things of that nature. So, Yeah, I really wondered this last thing about this pilot. I had kind of wanted to do a Skype with some pilots about the pilot who took this plane down. And Oh, geez, yeah. You know, and I thought to myself, like, was there any link? Because like, it's one thing to kill yourself, but to kill 170 other people, you, you, you're saying something. You're making a statement. It's a really big statement. Yeah. Well, and why uh, would... Yeah, why would you do that? And somebody said that he did go to some kind of treatment in Arizona. Well, we were all blogging about it when it first happened, and then they were like, yeah, well, a lot of mental health uh, in certain places is just filled with stuppers. Yeah, Yeah, and they're they're trying to expand over overseas. Uh, A couple of guys that I were involved with were international pilots, and and part of their step work was to carry the message overseas, you know, when they were over uh, on, on international layovers and stuff, and so yeah, they they want to expand this modality. Um, you know, uh, I, I, a, I hope oh, we're catching it. That's right. I mean, the proselytizing, proselytizing is so bad. It's like when I think of myself, it's just disgusting. Yeah. When I think of, you know, what a what a like nerd I was. What a like, you know, of like. I mean, I did mellow out yeah. later, but in the beginning, you know, and and right. even so, that when I look back and I think about my kids and. You know, different phases with them as teenagers. It's just such bullshit. It's just hogwash. But I think the worst part was when I was really new. And the the Mm -hmm. way that they want to, like, did you see the guys on CNN? Like the first night that they were all on, they had the pilot and they had the FAA guy. Did you watch that? Um, You know, I didn't uh, really key into a whole lot of that. Uh, I don't really have an opinion about it, just that... uh, you know, there is a stigma about the unicon of mental health and in, in that, um, you know, I don't really have a dog in the fight anymore, but in, in that uh, line of work, uh, you can't be depressed. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, when you do ask for help, then you get, uh, well, at least here in the States and probably to some degree overseas and internationally, you, you get uh, you get 12-step spirituality, you know, spiritual fascism, and that's not, well, be what's, you know, good for a lot of people. I know it wasn't for me. It just kind of... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really reinforced a lot of negative dogma that I had been accustomed to growing up that I was trying to distance myself from. And all I did was right. revisit that, that, you know, that kind of abuse. Not really abuse. I wouldn't call it that. But, mm-hmm. um, 
anyway, a lack of ability to think for yourself, and then you're, you're told that, you know, you can't think for yourself. You can't do anything without us. And I, I just, you know, but basically it was really uh, more desirable to just throw the career away than, than play the stupid game anymore and give them all my money every month. So that's where uh, wow, that's so sad. That how, yeah, <laughs> yeah, how is the um, the lawsuit going along? Are you involved with that? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I get regular updates from Brant, and, um, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, I believe the AA Birds website is depressing information that in a couple of links to formerly where you could click on to be directed to a treatment center or aftercare, which is 12-step bases now, no longer, you know, you can't click on it anymore. It's a dead link. and the meeting mm-hmm. schedule, the deadline, so things of like that. And I think they're kind of on to us that, and because it's not just uh, a couple pilots, oh, it's wow. like a dozen now, really? and a handful of nurses and some, you know, some doctors and stuff. So it's yeah, it's got legs. Mm. <laughs> I wonder so if I, I have uh, sent a Freedom of Information Act request to the FAA saying yeah, I'd like my my file, and they have I guess about five more days to produce that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brett says they'll probably you know ask for an extension. I sent uh, notes into Fellowship Hall saying you need to correct this because this is all factually inaccurate, every bit of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just somehow if you could see it, it's just some stuff is just so asinine. <laughs> the extrapolations they make uh, to basically uh, tailor this diagnosis to. Um, so I haven't heard anything from them for about two two and a half weeks now, and I'm you know I'm not expecting. Uh, you know, we'd be so. Um, yeah, I'm doing what I can, and um, right. I'm glad. I'm we'll really glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you called in everybody that Jonathan was a pilot. So there is a group of pilots <laughs> that are coming together that are suing the FAA and the employers that were forcing them to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and a HIMS program. I actually I right. told somebody today in a business meeting what HIMS stood for, and he like just went like <laughs> like what like you yeah. know. You know, the Human Intervention Motivational... What, what is it again? The last... Uh, uh, motivational study. study. And, study. you know, it's like, okay, what, what motivates... I always kind of have to laugh. It's like, what motivates a person to act this way? It's, well, you know, it's just your stupid modality that's causing people <laughs> to act this way. You know, I think it did probably, uh, you know, the causes relapse, causes depression, and they point and say, aha, told you so, and then it's just, it's just a trap. It's an absolute trap. So, yeah, it really anyway. is. I'd like to speak I'll to pilots eventually so. down the road. You know how AA sends out speakers? Well, yeah. I want to be the speaker. Yeah, well, I tried. To you know, I tried getting on an online <laughs> online forum, and a bunch of psychopath steppers came on and booted me out and accused me of being a dry drunk. You know, typical, typical shit. Really? So. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you can I send tried. some of us. Yeah. Wow. When did? Well, whoa. Okay, then, we can uh, talk about this off the radio. I'm going to give somebody else a yeah. chance. If somebody else in the queue, Jonathan, okay, thank you so much. Yeah. We'll talk again. Right, right on. All right. Sure. I'll see you on the bye. see you on the social media. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. All right, we have another caller here. This, I'm Monica Richardson, and we're talking about rehabs and being coerced and forced. Here we go. Let's see who's here. Hi, caller. You're live. Can I have your name, please? This is me. Hello? Hi. Hi, yes. Can I have your name? I'm, yeah, Monica. This is Rich from Florida. How are oh, you? Oh, hi, Rich. How are you doing? Good to hear from you. Uh, likewise, yeah. I was actually at the gym, and I got the email that you're on right now, so I started listening in, and, well, here we are. I called in. Well, I'm so glad you did. So would you like to tell our listeners um, what what happened to you uh, or what portion of it you want to tell that it's related to being sent to AA? Yeah, well, they tried to, for sure. Um, some people in my crash pad in up in New York, uh, where I spent a couple of 
days a week, uh, made some reports that were not true, and uh, I got reported to the, the, the HIMSS committee at uh, my employer, and they collared me, and they tried to send me away that day to a rehab for a quote-unquote three-day evaluation, and then uh, they said they'd take it from there, whether they made the determination that I had a substance or an alcohol abuse problem or not or dependency. And I politely declined their invitation. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, about uh, five weeks later, I did get arrested uh, for a DUI. I was charged with DUI. Mm-hmm. I went to court over it, and uh, I was found not guilty. But uh, the FAA had a lot of heartburn with this, and they revoked my medical certificate. Mm. They, they, yeah, they offered me the opportunity to join my company Sims program, or to wait out two years. And uh, I had a very bad feeling from the Sims people. Yeah, they, they were, they were really nasty, and uh, it was just a totally bad vibe. So I declined, and uh. In September, the two years will have elapsed, but uh, the government has subsequently reneged on their original uh, contract with me, and uh, originally it was just wait out two years, don't get into any sort of trouble, and then you can come right. on back flying. Right. Uh, I got a lawyer this past January. We tried to renegotiate, mm-hmm. and the FAA came back, and they wanted uh, continuous treatment from the daily arrest. Which, wow. And... and status reports and all these things, which is ridiculous because we can't turn back the hands of time. That's right, right. Yeah. So it's sort of like, oh, you want to talk back to us? Well, watch this. And it's a tyrannical government mm-hmm. bureaucracy, just as simple as that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to go how it goes, and we'll just we'll fight the good fight. If it's the end of my flying career, so be it. Uh, I'm not happy to about that, but I'm certainly not going to go uh, to one of these rehabs, uh, which you may as well just call them what they are. They're mental hospitals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go to a mental hospital, and I'm not going to go to AA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, a number of SAPs, which is a funny word for these substance abuse professionals. Yeah. They have concluded that I don't have a substance abuse issue with alcohol, nor certainly a dependency. That's not too important to bureaucrats who make their living from people, from from what they do, from labeling people, getting them to go to rehabs. Well, especially when they charge you guys who make decent money, you know, twenty-five or forty thousand dollars, and tell you you have to go, you know, for. 30 days or 60 or 90 days, and then when you get there, it's just AA, and it's 12-step facilitation, and we all know it's indoctrination. I mean, I've talked to enough of you guys. If you, you know, people don't know, you're, you're a pilot too. Have you joined the lawsuit? Uh, yeah, the uh, right now we're in the mo- in the process of putting it together, which yeah, at my end, yeah, at my end, that means just stand by for. I guess there's going to be some paperwork that needs to be filled out. But uh, Brent is handling that with, uh, I believe, the the lawyer who got the couple million dollars for the the, uh, 
probation fellow who got thrown back into jail because he refused to go to AA. Yeah, the Barry Hazel case. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. I had heard that, that he had joined, that it's going to take a group of those lawyers to do it. You know, they're going to take on some big guns and, you know, on top of it, the the AA component. But I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, you know. I'm glad that you're doing that. Would you speak to, if it came to it, would you speak publicly to a, a news journalist? Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I'm not afraid of anything, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if someone in the FAA takes umbrage because I become a public figure and they uh, become even more steadfast in their refusal to uh, give me my rightful medical back, mm-hmm. um, I'm not afraid of that. Um, uh, and this whole process has just made me fearless. That's all I can yeah. say. I'm not afraid of anything anymore. I'm not afraid of these people. And you learn a lot about human nature. And, right. You know, it's it's a nature that I have myself as well. You know, it's just it's just part of this life, and this is what happens. So we have the opportunity to fight against it. Right, right. Well, you know, I was watching um, a couple of different things. I watched the PBS thing on cancer, you know, and when they were fighting that, they said it's like a war. You have to look at it like a war. It's a battle. And um, when I watched Scientology going clear on HBO, uh, each each thing I watch, you know, I think about it, taking on the Catholic Church when people first took that on, uh, how dare you say anything bad, you know, like that was like over 20 years ago, a really long time ago when the first stories rose about, you know, the uh, children being molested and raped. I think the AA story and the, the story with the pilots and doctors and nurses are very, very interesting component to the part of, you know, I, I came at it about these people were being preyed on and then raped and then murdered. And, you know, there's like this, all this, you know, lovely, you know, the people paint on television what Alcoholics Anonymous is. And, and then I found out about what's going on with you guys. And I was just like really outraged. I was just like, whoa, like, oh, my God, like this is really, uh, no one no one in AA that I knew would have gone, including myself, on our own to AA if we were treated like you and the nurses and the doctors are. Yeah. You know? it's, it's and not... so what does that say, Rich? I mean, it says it's extortion. See, it isn't just coercion with you guys. They're, what they're doing is illegal. That's why you have a really good case. It's extortion. Yeah, do this or, yeah. Right. You can't do that. It's, it's what's called extortion. And thank God that I have lawyers that are helping me with my film because they're the ones that educate me. And the more you educate me and we educate each other and we, we, we you know, kind of come together, because I do think there needs to be a strategy. I mean, the film is going to come out. Oh, by the way, are, are you close enough that when I'm in Delray, Florida, when we screen it there, will, will you come to see the film? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's about an hour and a half away. That's, that's, uh, that's an easy shot from where I live. Good. I would love to meet you. And this group of people coming oh, yeah. from all over the country that are going to come down there and for that screening. And I will be amongst steppers, let me tell you. That's the real recovery film festival. I don't know why they picked me, but they did. So. <laughs> wow, wow. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, just bring, you know, bring your truth to light, which you don't need me to tell you to do that because you're already doing it. What right, you see, right. just, just, yeah, let that light shine. That's all. Thank you. Thank uh, you for calling in. Uh, my pleasure. I'm, oh. I'm so grateful for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Rich. Oh, it's been a pleasure yeah. getting to know you on the phone. I, I love you guys, your pilots, and 
doctors and the one nurse we know. No, I really do. I don't know why. But how can a pilot become powerless? It's like telling a cop he's powerless. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I read something from the big book, and, and evidently there are some people who, when they drink, I mean, they just go nuts, and they just they power down a lot of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and I guess uh, maybe they have some sort of genetic disposition, or I don't know the, the, what causes it. But when they start to drink, they they go nuts and they just mm-hmm. they just drink themselves into oblivion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, that's not everybody. Uh, no, uh, it's a small percentage. Yeah, no, if it's not you, yeah. I mean, Ga- Gabrielle Glaser's piece on NPR yesterday on the Brian Lehrer show is really good, and she talked about. You know, there's a really small percentage that, you know, between some kind of a chemistry and, you know, your background and your, it's a combination. They, I think somebody should put it really well where it's like kind of trifold why somebody even acts that way when they drink, you know, and they, they start to build up this. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I've listened to enough people where even them, it isn't just physical. You know, there's like these components, but for those that it is, they could be given naltrexone. You know, and they can yeah. be sent to a non-12-step addiction therapist. And there's a lot of them trained now in the country, at least out of New York, and there's great ones here. But that as long as AA is running it and you don't have science doing real research behind it and everybody in the FA, you know, running the HIMSS program and running the ASAM program for the doctors and the whole board of nursing, oh, my God, they're bullies over there. But it's got to be exposed. So that's what I'm excited because it's been three and a half years making it. Actually, it's four years now that I want to begin making this film. And to finally meet all the people like yourself and Jonathan and, you know, people all over the country and then get, get the word out there and then create change um, and have lawsuits, you know, sue these people and say, you don't get to extort me. I, I can't wait till the first nurse does it. And, the first, you know what I mean? It's just... But it's it's got to get in media because we can have lawsuits all day long, but if it doesn't stop on TV and big A-list films like that freaking flight with Denzel Washington, I'm like, what were you thinking, Denzel? Like, have you not Googled shit before you do a movie? Yeah. Uh, that like, movie was just so full of baloney. There was, a, uh, there, there was no way that pilots would tolerate behavior in a cell pilot. There is absolutely no way that that would be tolerated. Because, uh, yeah, the very human uh, self-preservation of things. You depend upon the other guy you work with. I'm not crazy as a male. You, you depend upon that other person. Right. And you can't have them out of their minds like uh, Denzel Washington uh, portrayed his mm-hmm. character. In today's aircraft. world, plus, yeah. No, yeah. even back in the day. I mean, I'm sorry. No, it's just, it's just not, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Very unrealistic. But, you know, no, but it sells movie tickets, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I almost yeah. got up and yelled in the middle of it. I was like losing my shit. You know what I mean? I I contained myself, but you know, I did go to that movie screening of Thank You for Sharing about the sex addiction, so I could meet the uh, the writer director. And I, you know, I I raised my hand for the Q and A, and I was like, Are you aware that blah blah blah? You know every. I don't know, but I, I'm going to give someone else a chance to call in. Rich, I want to thank you, yeah. and uh, thank you, and we'll talk soon. We'll be in touch, okay? Uh, my right. pleasure, Monica. Thank you for doing what you do. You're welcome. Thanks Bye for now. calling in.
All right, buddy. All right, anybody else want to call in? It's 818-475-9211. We have 16 minutes left. 818-475-9211. I know we have Tom out there who wishes he could call in, but he's in the middle of work and he can't, so maybe we'll do a later show for some of you guys that can't are on the West Coast here and are at work and can't call in. Um, so until somebody else calls in, 818-475-9211, I have brought up a fact sheet that talks about the licensing and certification division, alcohol and other drug recovery or treatment facilities frequently asked questions. Licensed first, unlicensed facilities. What facilities must be licensed by the Department of Alcohol and Drug Programs, ADP? The licensing and certification division is responsible for licensing 24-hour adult residential non-medical alcohol or drug recovery. Whoa. Whoa, wait a second, okay? Oh, my God, you realize the loophole is, like, in the first sentence? Oh, mother, these fuckers. Oh, my God, these fuckers. It's unbelievable. All right, let's read it again slowly, and I guess with the bouncing ball here. The Licensing and Certification Division is responsible for licensing 24-hour adult residential non-medical well, what what does that mean? Like, okay, if it's non-medical, so there doesn't have to be a doctor there, what is it then? A recovery or a treatment facility? They should say for a religious residential treatment center. The California Code of Regulations, let's see what they're under, defines a residential alcoholism or drug abuse recovery or treatment facility as any facility, building, or group of buildings which is maintained and operated to provide 24-hour residential non-medical alcoholism or drug abuse recovery or treatment services. Well, what is that? What the fuck is that then? Oh, my God. All right, here we go. Facilities that provide a cooperative living arrangement, sometimes referred to as sober living, environment, transitional housing, or alcohol and drug-free housing for persons recovering from alcohol and or drug problems. Wow. Oh, my God, this is another rabbit hole. But it's one that I've been very curious about because if you're going to take it on, and I'm going to take it on, right, it's like, okay, nobody's in the queue. Okay, fine. 818-475-9211. I'm just going back and forth. No, I don't think they're relating to the social model. You got to see this, Jason. Um, I could place. I'm going to paste the link. All right. I'm going to paste, cut and paste the link. There's people in the chat room. Hold on, bear with me, because I'm multitasking here, and I'm going to put this here for you to see. Okay? You guys need to see this crap. Um, here's the deal. Okay, let's go on to the next thing. So. It sounds like a bunch of airy fairy shit, like nothing really really going on here. Um, so uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield pays for this stuff? Oh, boy. Facilities with licenses from other departments, group homes licensed by the Department of Social Services, and chemical dependency recovery hospitals licensed by the Department of Public Health. Yeah, like what's next comes next? Such training, search training, community volunteer. Oh, my God, this is such crap. Licensed versus, that was the end of the sentence. It just said facilities with licenses from other departments. 
like group homes and such. All right, let's read the next one. What is the difference between a licensed and a certified facility? Any residential facility providing one or more of the following services to adults must be licensed. Alcohol or drug detox, detox group, individual or educational sessions, and or recovery or treatment planning. Note, non-medical outpatient AOD programs are not required to be licensed. Wow. They don't even need a fucking license because they're steppers. That's how deep this shit is, guys. AA. Man, you know what? I want to talk to Tony Ortega. I'm going to, you know, I listened, somebody told me to listen to him, and I listened to that show. And he and the woman who are on the show that I listen to, if you don't, he's like the guy who's been after outing Scientology for like 15 years. This guy's been at it. And I really hope that's not me. Like, I've been at it for, what is it, four years now. It's actually longer. I take it back because I started the work in '09 in AA, but then left in 2011. But you know what? Do you realize what they're saying there? I mean, this is that means, and I knew it. I knew that they created it in a way that they were just like, oh, it's just us. You know, it's just an AA recovery place, and you know, we don't really have a doctor here because we don't need one. Yeah, you do. You need, but you don't need a doctor who's a stepper. In addition to licensure, ADP provides a voluntary certification process to identify facilities that meet a minimal level of service quality. Minimal level of service quality and are in substantial compliance with ADP standards. Certification is available to both residential and non residential facilities. However, Residential facilities must be licensed in order to obtain a certification. Obtaining certification is considered advantageous in gaining the confidence of potential residents and third-party payers, Mm. like Anthem Blue Cross. I want to just say, anyone listening to this show, you had your insurance company pay for shitty 12-step. You got nothing but that shoved down your throat, and you were maybe in what you thought was a real facility File a complaint. There's a place. Go on Anthem Blue Cross. Go on. Go to Kaiser. File a complaint. File a complaint with the state attorney general in your state, and uh, if it was Kaiser, and say I was given religious dogma. You are being ripped off. I would just take some action. What kind of services can I expect to find in a licensed facility? Let me just make sure nobody's in the queue. Okay, nobody's there. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, Jonathan, who called in and said thanks. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, Dianetics was to L. Ron Hubbard as the big book is to Bill Wilson. That is for sure. So we have nine minutes left. Um, yeah, complain to the licensing boards. That's a good idea, Tom. All the state licensing boards, $30,000 plus two $4,000. Oh, my God. So Jonathan paid $30,000 plus... $4,000 co-pays. That is so sad. That is so wrong. I, there's gonna, that lawsuit's going to come through, Jonathan. It's a really big case because it's, it, it, it's extortion. So what kind of services can I expect to find in a licensed facility? Maybe I can be sexually harassed. Maybe I can be raped by one of somebody there. Maybe my children could be hit on by somebody. No, never mind. Okay, here we go. I'm going to be back to being serious. Residential facilities provide non-medical services to individuals who are working to overcome addiction to alcohol or other drugs. What? Through religion? 
Service, services include detox. Well, how can you do a detox without medical help? Wow. Group, individual, or educational sessions and or recovery or treatment planning. In addition, a licensed facility may offer individualized services such as vocational and employment search training, community volunteer opportunities, new skill training, peer support, social and recreational activities, and information about and referral to appropriate community or ancillary services. Who do these facilities serve? They serve persons over 18 and older and also serve a limited number of adolescents. Wow, 14 years and older by applying for obtaining a waiver. You just have to apply for a waiver. Wow, to have minors in there. And they don't do any background checks. By the way, if you're a parent and you're listening, yeah, California and Pennsylvania, you don't need to do any background checks. And I think Gabrielle Glaser got some really good new stats about um, who needs to do a background check, and it's not just California and Pennsylvania. Um let me just look. There's a lot of these here. This is a really long paper, guys. This is really super long. So it is got 25 items. So what I'm going to do is I think I'll read it when I'm not on the show and then um, come back and maybe we can just highlight it and maybe get somebody on here who's from who worked for an insurance company or who worked for Blue Cross or who worked for Kaiser at one time and maybe a professional, there's there's a Facebook page called Families Who Want a Safe, let me get the name of it, Families for a Safe Drug Policy, and there's a lot of professionals in that. It's called Families for a Sensible Drug Policy. And I um, think that maybe somebody on there would be willing to be uh, on the show and we could talk about it. And then there's also another group that is, I think, professionals, and I could find somebody who could... It would be really interesting to get somebody from Blue Cross or Blue Shield to talk to me on the radio show. Wouldn't that be good? Boy, oh boy. Let's see. Tom was paying 700 a month for insurance because I thought it would be covered. Um, mm. Anyway, we got five minutes left. Anybody in for one last question or comment? 818-475-9211. I want to thank everybody for being with me on the show today. Uh, I'll be here next week. I'm going to go to Chicago, and we will see you there at the film festival. It is called Injustice. I am Injustice for All. Um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to multitask here again. Let me just get into... I have a web, um, a, a closed Facebook group called Deprogramming from AA or any 12-step groups. And we have also, please uh, go onto iTunes and critique me. Say you like me, you don't like me, throw bananas at me, tomatoes, or give me a five-star and say why you love the show. Uh, please like the 13-Step to Film Facebook page. It's helpful as we roll along here. Okay, here it is. Injustice for All. Film Festival, Festival Schedule, and it is taking place at a church. And you can click on that link. It brings you to the events. Then click on to RSVP for the events. It is um, sponsored by Policy Alliance. And with that said, I'm going to finish up. I don't know why my phone just went like kind of dead. That was really weird. But again, um, somebody's laughing. We're all laughing. 
here. Uh, you, you click on the link for RSVP for events, and then you have to put in your email, and then it will open up, and it's at the uh, – where, where is it? Some of the stuff is going to be – United Church of Christ is where it's going to be. Uh, some of the stuff is going to be, uh, I think, at the law um, – what do you call it? The University of... Um, I'm sorry. I can't find the thing I was trying to tell you. Uh, we're going to be at the Trinity Unity Church of Christ at 2 o'clock. We're going to screen the film. And if you want to go on there and it's free, you can just go in. You have to reserve a ticket, though, you know, just RSVP. And I will be there as well as some other ex-steppers. So again, everybody, it's been really great uh, to be with you today. I, w I will be back next week. And just remember, uh, we are, you're not alone. You know, there's thousands and thousands. It's like my husband said, you know, people like to say, oh, A's helped a million people, millions and millions. Well, a million may walk through the door, but a million don't stay. And, uh, you know... I just want to say that I appreciate all the support, and I think that this movement is finally getting a lot of traction, and it looks like, you know, especially with all of the stuff that Gabrielle Glaser is getting on the uh, Internet, and I want to ask of you, if you don't do it, uh, go and listen, comment wherever you can. Uh, there's some of us that do it all the time, but if you can, follow her on Facebook, follow her on Twitter, See who follows her. See the other people who speak out, other professionals who are firm believers in science and kindness. And, you know, follow Claudia Christian, One Little Pill, her film on Facebook and Twitter. There's a new film coming out, The, um, the Business of Recovery, uh, produced by Greg Horvath. Oh, my goodness, if you can see this, if you're in Southern California, he's going to be at the Newport Film Festival. You really want to see his film. Super hard-hitting against... In fact, we're going to have uh, he and um, the director on as soon as we can set a day and time. All right, everybody. So again, I'm Monica Richardson for Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. You can listen to us free on iTunes, download it onto your computers, onto your smartphones, listen to it when you're jogging or when you're walking or when you're driving. You can listen to us on your smartphone live, and we'd love to hear from you. You can always... Make AA safer at gmail.com. That's make AA safer at gmail.com. And uh, like uh, Tavis Smiley says, keep the faith. And if you don't have a faith, just keep on trucking. And we'll see you all next week. All right? Good night, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. Bye. See you on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs>